Hey Queen! Welcome to another episode of Is This Movie, You Know, where we talk about movies that are significant to the LGBTQIA community and view them through a gay lens. Then we discuss whether or not the movie is, you know, gay. I'm Fernando. I'm Josh. And we are your gay co-hosts. As always, make sure that you're following us on social media. We are at isthismovieyouknow.pod on Instagram and isthismovieyouknow on Facebook. You can also email us at isthismovieyouknow at gmail.com. You can expect the casual mention of same-sex intercourse and the occasional curse word to be dropped here and there. Like darn. Shucks. Wiener. Mitch McConnell. And fucking. So we hope you're ready. Because this podcast is about to get... I am so excited for this episode because today we're talking about Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. This is obviously not my idea. Mama! I can only sing that much before they sue me. But yes, love the song. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do wonder how how much like you can sync without being sued. I wonder if we if we used the Glee version with Ryan Murphy. <laughs> um, did they do Bohemian Rhapsody as a Glee cover? They did, and we're gonna get into that in a bit. Oh my um, god! <laughs> but you could use that version, Josh. What is Bohemian Rhapsody about? So, Bohemian Rhapsody is the story of Queen, the rock band, um, and it chronicles... Not the Queen. Not the Queen, but Queen, the That would be band. fun. <laughs> that's, that's the crown. Um, not, yeah. But, yeah, this is the story of Queen and specifically of its frontman, Freddie Mercury, the lead singer. Right. And that's all you need to know. If you don't know who Queen is... Um, I mean, that's all the writers of this movie knew before writing the script. <laughs> so, <laughs> Honestly, yes. All they knew was, oh yeah, the guys who did We Will Rock it's, You. <laughs> he is gay. The AIDS, you know, like the AIDS performance, like, no, what was it? The Relief for Africa performance. Live Aid. Um, Live Aid. Live Aid, yes. And they were like, yes, that same thing. He liked men. Um... Drugs, sex, let's start shooting. That's what it was. Yeah. You know, it's true. Yeah. Um, um, it, and this movie came out in 2018. It did. And it was directed by Brian Singer. Asterisk. Directed as a loose <laughs> Well, here's the deal. Um, Brian Singer was the director throughout most of shooting on the movie, but reportedly he had really awful behavior on set and would often clash with the cast and crew, specifically right. Rami Malek, who plays Freddie Mercury. Um, there were a couple of days where Brian Singer just didn't show up to set, and Fox halted production and then fired him. Um, they still had two weeks. This was, yeah. We also got to note that this was, like, right in the middle of the scandal. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So Brian Singer is gay, but doesn't well, it, but very separately from that... He, I think it's a very open secret. I knew, same shit like with Kevin Spacey, if you're online and you're into movies, you always heard, like, stories about Ryan Singer. Yeah, um, he's been accused of sexually abusing young boys on multiple right. occasions. Um, like, he, it's, like, a known thing that he would look after, like, look into, like, young talent in Hollywood, like, trying to get, like, you know, 
in the industry, and he would be like, hey, I can get you in an X-Men movie, you can play this one. Um, and then he would, like, take them to whatever, like, city they were shooting, and they then would go to a yacht, or, like, they would go to, like, a private island or shit like that. And he was improper, and thankfully he got fired from Absolutely that, and disgusting. he's no longer working. Yeah, but, but, yeah. but um, because he was the director for most of it, and Dexter Fletcher was only brought in for the remaining two weeks of production, Brian Singer has the only Directors Guild of America credit for the film. Um, which I mean, I will sucks. say, if I was Dexter Fletcher, I would, I, I would be glad that my name is not attached to this movie. Honestly, yeah. Um, but it's interesting, though. Dexter Fletcher was originally going to direct the movie back when it was, um, I think, in right. like 2013. Um, but he removed himself from the project because of disagreements with the producers. I think that before we get into the movie, we got to tell a little bit of the story about the troubled production of this movie. Um, yeah. Because um, it really offers like a good context on how we ended up with this mess. Yeah, and I think that we've already started to do that, but you're right. <laughs> um, 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 back in, I think back in 2011 was when it made headlines that um, producer Graham King was teaming up with a writer and with Sasha Baron Cohen to do a project uh, based on Freddie Mercury and Queen. And Sasha Baron Cohen was attached to play Freddie Mercury. Um, right. But, you know, there were some issues with, uh, with that. I think, the, I think Queen didn't really like that he was so well known for being Borat. Um, but also, um, there were a lot of creative differences. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen really wanted to be part of a grittier R-rated tell-all movie, while right. while Queen wanted more of a a more sanitized PG-rated film. Right. Um, and then Ben Wishaw was in contention. Um, I think Daniel Radcliffe was. Oh, really? I think I think that was floated around. I might be making that up, but. Yeah, that I remember Ben Wishaw. That me. Every white British man was considered at, at one point. I will say it honestly, though, is like Rami Malek is American. He was born in California, but he is the son of Egyptian immigrant parents. Freddie Mercury, he was born in Zanzibar and um, not even the same country, but at least the same continent, which is I think that I shouldn't be crediting Right, Hollywood, but and his but. parents are um, are Parsi Indian. So you know what? I'd rather that than Ben Wishaw. <laughs> at least True. you know. True. But I, I, I do, I do, I do like Ben. Ben, if you're listening to this, we like you. <laughs> we, we do love Ben Wishaw. <laughs> we do justice for Paddington. So everyone and their parents have seen this movie. So I don't think it's even worth going into. Like I will, I will, I will point out before. So Sasha Baron Cohen left the project due to creative differences. Like I and, said, yes. But the biggest thing was that he had creative differences with the living members of the band Queen, which I said as well. No, you didn't say. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't listen to you, but I think that that is. I think that that is very telling given the product that we got. I think that everyone that's not Freddie Mercury looks in this movie like a covers rock band from the 80s that, you know, never drinks, it isn't too drugs, you know? Right. It is very much a Queen-sponsored story. 
Right, and, and that's the reason to why they've been very um, happy with the film. They, like, really did the promotional circuit when it came out. It really has a lot to do with the fact that they were really involved. And, not like, the project wouldn't have happened without the complete sign-off of Brian May um, from Queen, I, I think. Exactly, exactly. And you can and tell. Their, and their fingerprints are all over this, and we will give you... A lot of examples as we continue. But, Fernando, <laughs> what did you think of this movie? Uh, well, listen, I am going to criticize this movie a lot, but I'm only going to insult this movie at this moment. Um, I truly think it is a disservice to the memory of Freddie Mercury. I think it is a disservice to a lot of Queen fans, I think it is a disservice to filmmaking as an art. <laughs> I think wow. this movie is honestly insulting in so many levels. It's a disservice to my mother. It's a disservice <laughs> to my father. It's I, a like, disservice to the planet. Um, I just think that like a lot of people will be mad. But it's just like, I just think it's such a bad movie. Here's here's the problem. We talked about Rocket Man, who was directed by De- I think it's important to point that out. It was directed by Dexter Fletcher, um, the same person that directed this movie for two weeks, and you can tell that this is not Dexter Fletcher's movie because of even though we have fair criticisms about Rocket Man, the thing is both movies had their title characters very involved, um in the production of the movie, and, you know, a dead person can't defend themselves. Right, So they, like, shat on Freddie Mercury on his memory while looking, making themselves look great, while Elton John was, like, has always been very honest and open about his addiction, which made for a better movie and not a lifetime production with a budget of $20, (laughs) which I think this this is. Um, This won so many Oscars, we're going to get into it, but it truly makes me so mad I yeah. think my like my head was hurting the night of the Oscars. I truly think it's one of the worst movies that I watched in 2018. I despise this movie, and I really struggle to find anything redeemable about it. And with that being said, <laughs> Josh, what do you think about this film? Look, I don't, I don't hate it the way you do. I think it's fine. I think it's like a B, B-minus movie. But my issue is that some people think it's the best thing that they've ever seen. A lot of straights. A lot of straights. Um, and, and, <laughs> and I think it's so overrated and overhyped. I mean, yes, it's a glimpse into a life that not many people know about, but everyone has some interest in. But, but is it? Yeah, you know, everyone has some interest in Freddie no, Mercury. No, 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 no. I'm saying like, I'm, no, I'm saying like, this is the untold story. No, no, but it sells itself that way. Because it sells itself that way, people buy into that. I honestly think that Bohemian Rhapsody is as well-liked as it is because it is a simple, feel-good movie that manipulates viewers to see it as a serious and complex movie. And the reason it can do that is because its lead character dies from AIDS. But it is so obnoxiously uplifting because, wow, Freddy overcame all of that dangerous gay stuff to make the music that we can all clap to. It's just not deep whatsoever. That's why I think it's not a great movie. Well, here's here's because the it has tricked so many people into thinking it is. Here's here's my main problem with the movie. 
I've said it time and time again. For me, it feels like the filmmakers just like read the Wikipedia page on Queen and they ran with that. Yeah. Like I don't I didn't leave the movie theater knowing anything about Freddie Mercury that I didn't know. And the one and I'm gonna start the episode. I'm already like ten minutes in, but I'm start? gonna start the episode. Honey, where have you been? I'm gonna st- what really makes my blood boil and the reason to why I think that Freddie Mercury would have hated this film is that Freddie Mercury was quoted as saying in Freddie Mercury, his life and his own words, he said, when talking about a, a movie, he said, I have visions of actually having a film made of my story one day, which I would have a key part in. I might not play the lead myself. My dears, the things I've done in my lifetime, it'll be a totally triple X rated, I'll tell you. That's the quote. The movie is rated PG-13. Yes. And that's all you need to know about this film. <laughs> um, it is It is very PG. It is very sanitized. Every scene essentially wants to put Freddy at a crossroads between choosing sort of the good-natured decency of his bandmates or the wild transgressiveness of sexuality. Right. Do you like Queen? I do. I like Queen a lot. I think that it's funny because even though uh, this movie is so sanitized, I think at the time, and I think their, their their music is really is really transgressive in terms of how it crossed boundaries and um, blended genres. I do right. like Queen. Uh, Freddie Mercury is a flamboyant gay icon, if if there ever was one. Yeah, I mean, I I love Queen. I've I've been listening to Queen since I was like very 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 little. My oh, dad same. showed me showed me Queen. You know, there's somebody who loved Bohemian Rhapsody and like oh, those you know the yeah. ones that appear oh. in the film. But there's also like so many amazing songs that a lot of people don't know about. That's true. Um, That's true. And yeah, so I was like familiar with Freddie Mercury. A, a thing I like. I think we're gonna fuck up here and there while we're recording this episode, but I do want to clarify that while Freddie Mercury never came out or, like, never really labeled himself publicly, it's been stated by friends of his that he, if anything, was a bisexual man. Um, And we're going to... I think that because there's a lot of... It's, like, very ambiguous in in terms of what he probably, like, um, labeled himself... It is. When talking about Freddie Mercury, like, the word gay is thrown around a lot. But the one thing that I will commend this movie for doing is that they did show us that other side of him that I I guess he would have appreciated, you know, um, that they had. What's her face? Mary. Um, Mary. Have Mary, who is an actual real-life person, and the only person that um, in real life that knows where his ashes are. I believe that's that's I've heard that story. Wow. Um, they had like a really like he left a ton of money to her after he died. Oh yeah, and, like, almost all of his estate was left all to of her. almost his estate, and they he always said that he had uh, an insane amount of love for her. And they do have like we're gonna talk about the one scene that they have um, about him saying that you know he's like having feelings for men um, to her and. She, her being very understanding at all but because it is murky i like i i personally like like to refer when i talk about free mercury as a bisexual man yeah i i agree and i think i definitely misspoke i think that gay icons um like when i'm talking about a gay icon i 
I use gay icons. Could be Sarah to Palin. Mean, to mean, like, a queer icon, uh, you know? Right. And not necessarily people who even are gay. Like, um, right. like Pink is a gay icon. Um, Sarah Palin is a gay icon. So, yes. so... And Coulter. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but, like, here's the thing. If, we're, if we can go back to, um, to Queen for a second and um, the way that that queen talks in the movie, the guys of Queen talk. They're like, oh, we're, we're playing on the BBC, but we want to perform live. We don't want to lip sync. And it's like, people don't talk like that. Every scene with them, the dialogue is engineered to make them look like the good guys pointing out what is only too painfully obvious to everyone. Oh, well, there's the one scene, the one that, like, in the theater... My eyes went to the back of my head. It's oh, just oh, like, when, oh, oh, when they're talking about um, Bohemian Rhapsody. No, when they're having, when they're having the party at Freddie's oh, house. Oh God! They're having the par- They're having a big party at Freddie Mercury's house. There's obviously a lot of alcohol and drugs involved. Freddie, Freddie is shown doing drugs and shit. And then at one point, Queen is like. Oh, it's too late. Like, we should go. Like, we have spouses to go back to and shit like that. And then, like, you know, like, all the band members, like, literally, like, stand up and leave the party. Yes, and it's like, they're, okay, girl. they're very you know. dismissive of that party. Yeah. And, they're, and they even say, like, oh, this isn't really our scene, Freddie. Even though, at that point, no one had been, like, doing drugs yet. It had just been, like, a costume party with, like, dancing and a lot of gay people. And, and they were like, oh, oh, Freddie... Uh, Oh, we're supposed to be queen, not the village people. And it's an upsetting scene because Brian May and the other bandmates are positioned as the moral center of this film. Right. So if they don't like something, it makes the audience think, uh-oh, this is bad. Because right. the audience it, is always it, meant to take the side of the band, and the band here is very uncomfortable watching Freddy's gay world. Right. And again, like what bothers me is that a, a person can't defend themselves, you know? It's, exactly. It's, Exactly. I like. I think that it would be a very different movie if Freddie Mercury was alive, or if he had been more open. Which obviously, I, it's completely understandable to why he wasn't. Right. But if he had been more open about what his life looked like, right. you know, right. people people would have better context on on how to see this scene. Um, but this scene essentially is part of the problem it's that it's that the villain is queerness i mean it is just kidding um no it's um yeah well that's the, the problem with mary like another example really is like with mary because we there is a tiny little love story here in this movie um i would i would say it doesn't take more than 10 15 minutes total of the runtime yeah but i i will say we do fall for, you know, their relationship. And I really, I really do love that scene where, like, they sing Love of My Life. And, and like, they have the, the, the concert in Brazil. I like that scene. I think it's really cute. I think that queerness is also portrayed as a villain in there. In the way that, like, they show her as being so hurt by Freddie's queerness. In general, like that's just that's just always been like a really dangerous thing to portray in media, in like to any straight. Pe- I don't know if straight people listen to this podcast, but like <laughs> um, to any straight people, that like it truly. 
I know, I know there's always someone that gets hurt in this process, but for so many gay people, it truly isn't their fault. But she's allowed to feel hurt, right? No, for sure. Yeah. For sure. 100%. And, like, I'm, I'm saying, like, it just... I just, I just feel that it's so random that in so, like, out of the amount of things that they could have shown about Freddie Mercury's life, this was the narrative device that they chose. Uh, like, that's what I found funny about Rocket Man, um, in which his heterosexual relationship probably lasts less than a minute and a half. Right. And they, like, move, and, like, they move on. Like, it's like, he was married? And, like, here, like, they, like, legit, it's, like, a huge plot point of the film. Right. So it just, it, it's, like, a, it's a weird thing, considering that it was only to highlight his queerness, and yet the film feels so very queer light, you know? Yeah, especially because... Like, early on in the movie, his queerness is expressed by him trying on women's clothing and Mary's makeup. But then it's only, it's never talked about, like, later on in the movie, and it's limited to promiscuous hookups and, quote-unquote, bad things. And sex, which we with, are in, sex with strangers and all that. Which you know? we aren't shown. We're like, we're, like, shown part of it as, like, part of, parts of, like, badly edited montages. Right. I'm not saying I want to see Rami Malek put on a condom, but at the same time, <laughs> I just I like I'm sorry, like I need to compare it to Rocket Man, right? Like, and you're I, and, and and here, infidelity and homosexuality are the same thing, right? And and really, like in Rocket Man, they have kind of the same montage of him like finding sexuality for the first time. Yes, and. I remember, I like remember the scene so well, even though I've only watched the movie twice because I love it so much that it's like during Take Me to the Pilot is playing in the background and Terry Eckert turns making out with Richard Madden. And like I just like love that scene because even though like they barely showed anything, really, the intent was clear. Right. Um right. that like that like the director was in case you had any doubt, this person is queer. Yes. Yeah, I think I think Rocket Man, we kind of took for granted, and and if you haven't listened to our episode on Rocket Man, go do that now. Um, it's in season one, but it's Rocket Man is among the gayest mainstream films ever made. It is, and and it's oozing with gay energy. But it's so interesting that this had the same director, at least for part of it, Dexter Fletcher, mm-hmm. and yet it's so different in what it says about queerness. Well, the other thing is, so this film has a budget of $50 million, and it made $903 million. That's huge. You, you don't make that amount of... It's the, it's the highest grossing movie music of all time. And, like, and, one of the highest grossing conventional dramas that and, isn't a franchise or a superhero film or animated or any of that. And the highest grossing quote-unquote biopic. That one is, you know... yeah biopic name only but you know like you don't you don't get to those kinds of numbers by putting an overtly gay component to it you yeah. just don't and, and you don't get and you don't get to that number if you don't make a film if you don't make a version of the film that is edited in a way that those queer undertones aren't shown right um rocket man doesn't work without like if you take out the queerness of the film like it just doesn't work out this it's not a good movie, it's still. But it's like it's a perfectly functional movie and the narrative still makes sense. It's watchable. 
Yeah, it's watchable. <laughs> the same way, like, for example, like, Pixar with Onward, that they have, you know, that one little sin with a queer character yeah. to, like, satisfy right, the Western right. Hemisphere. But it could always be changed to say anything else in any other kind of version. It's the same thing with Bohemian Rhapsody, I feel yeah. like. Um, and, and it's sad because I was reading earlier today that when Freddie Mercury was alive... Queen's management was essentially hell-bent on convincing the world that Freddie was heterosexual, completely straight, and they gave up on that once Freddie died because, you know, AIDS. But it feels like this movie is going back to those old habits and effectively sanitizing his sexuality completely. Right. I also just want to talk about the fact that Rami Malek doesn't do any of his own singing. I hate it. Well, well, let me back up a sec. I I don't really think that Rami Malek's performance is as extraordinary as people say it is. It's terrible. He I I th- look. I think he's a good actor. I think he does a serviceable job here. But I think the fake teeth do a lot of the work for him. Um, I think, and I'm sorry for interrupting you a bit, but like, how dare you? How like, dare you? you? Know, we like, take turns on this show. Continue. I have some. I have a gay voice, and I have the mannerisms, and me, and, like, just give me fake teeth and a fake mustache, and me saying darling all the time, and I'm, that's my, you know, I'm and you're Fre- And you're Freddie Mercury. <laughs> right, and I'm very, yeah, it's, like, the same, well, I truly don't think the performance goes beyond flamboyant gay man. Right. Which, I understand, straight people are very impressionable when a straight person can do that, but for us, you know, that's a Monday morning for Josh, you know? <laughs> Um, so, like, it, like, for, for me, it's just, like, such a conventional, and, you know, like, if Mick Jagger can do it, you're not gonna give an Oscar, like, Mick Jagger, you know? Um, (laughs) it's not a good performance. Yeah. That's all I've gotta say. But he didn't even do his own singing, and, like, I, and, and I, and I've been, like, screaming that from the rooftops, and everyone I talk to is like, eh, that's fine. You gotta, you gotta say the whole context, though. He did, he did do his own singing. But the version that we see in the film is Freddie Mercury's voice mixed with his. Is it, though? How much is it mixed? Because it sounds like it's just the CD. It sounds like Queen Greatest Hits, and And there's no Rami in there. I've seen drag queens that, like, legit looks... You know, like, drag queens performing to, like, a group of six people on a Tuesday night at 11.30 p.m., that, like, you know, but they're giving it their all, and it looks like, I don't know, like, Celine Dion or Patti LaBelle is coming straight out of their right. mouth. Right, exactly. So, like, lip-syncing to me is not, like, it's no not longer... It's not an Academy Award-worthy... Right. Feet. Like, I've, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it by so many people to a point that I'm, like, I'm not gonna give you brownie points, you straighty boy, because you can do it. I can do it, too. Also, you know? like, like, when actors do their own singing... It allows them to put a spin on their art. It allows right. them to also create something that's their own. I mean, Taron Egerton it, did it in Rocket Man, but also it can backfire. It like can. in the Miss It Up. It it can, but like Chadwick Boseman, Paul Dano, Sissy Spacek, Val Kilmer, Joaquin Phoenix, Tom Hiddleston, Lawrence Fishburne, and Renee Zellweger all did their own singing. With a and Gwyneth Paltrow all did their own singing for, for musical biopics. Right. And in some ways, you know, vocalizing is a huge part of one's performance. And I think right. that it's cheating in a way that you used such a distinctive voice. I mean, 
that's also part of what makes it feel like it's Queen-sponsored instead of being original art. Right. Like, and, and there will only be one for Freddie Mercury. Let's be real. No one's ever going to try to, like, uh, replace him, even though Queen tours with Adam Lambert. But, like, I don't know. It would have been nice. And here's the thing. Again, I'm going to say it again. Straight people are so impressionable. I've they love seen this. The, the amount... The amount of fucking videos I had on my fucking Facebook timeline of, like, the comparison of the Live Aid performance with Rami Malek doing the same fucking shit, I cannot tell you the it amount of times that I saw that in my same timeline. Thing. It is it's the, same, the same thing. And while many people may like that, what is the artistry in that? That's that's lazy. It's lazy. <laughs> I'm it sorry, it is. It literally is. It literally is lazy, and we have, and honestly, like, I think it goes back to, like, some of the discussions that we've had in the past when we've seen Broadway adaptations of of musicals and, and the big screen, and that we, like, insist, like, I would have just wanted a static camera of the original thing, and I think that would have been better. It's the same thing. I would just stuck to the um, original video of Freddie Mercury performing because you're not giving me anything different. You right. know? Right. You're not giving me any it's even like more exciting to see Freddie Mercury's performance because number one, that was live. Number two, the audience was not CGI. Oh my god. And there, and, which <laughs> the is, audience was so clearly CGI and it was so, so cringy. So clearly CGI is so cringy. And like number three, the spontaneity is something that you really cannot replicate. I'm I'm Disgusting. just so hung up on the CGI crowd. It sure. kind of looks like if any of you have seen Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame, watch the topsy turvy scene and just pause and look at the crowd. It's all awkward CGI and that's what Bohemian Rhapsody's crowd looks like. Going back to the gay stuff. Oh, can I say how do you one feel about more the gay thing stuff? about Yeah, no, go ahead, hate on about, this movie. Um, about what it says about music production. <clears throat> They're all talking this movie. When when there there's this scene that everyone loves to talk about, where Mike Myers plays this uh, record executive, and he says, "There's no way you guys are doing an operatic style album." And Queen's like, "We want to mix genres. We want to cross boundaries. There's no musical ghetto that can contain us." It's That's pretentious, and and musicians who talk like that are the worst kind of people. It's looking at. 1975 through the lens of 2018 and it doesn't feel it's what every it's whatever musical documentary yes exactly you know whenever they talk about the title artists of the documentary like they were doing something that the others were not doing yes exactly they they, like they were pushing back and you know what i also hate about this film is that like (laughs) because they had to get an x amount of famous queen songs in this film, it starts to get repetitive in the sense that, like, it is, like, Freddie Mercury has an idea. Like, it's this is an exaggeration, but a pencil falls on the floor, and that gives him the idea of some rhythm, and then he starts doing it with his hands, and then he's like, oh my god, I got it, and then they do another one bites the dust. Then, That's you know, like, like, it, like <laughs> it moves on to, like... It's not how music is written. <laughs> right, and, like, then it's, like, then he's walking down the street, and, you know, like, kids are clapping, and then he's like, oh my god, clapping. I'm gonna make a <laughs> song with clapping. And like, then it's like, uh, we will rock you. You know what I mean? 
I mean, like it's it feels very that that it's like I know that you have to you're kind of you're kind of exaggerating, but like yes, <laughs> like you have to like I understand you have to oversimplify the the music writing process, and not that I know how to write any kind of but, music, but, but it just it, like it feels cheap, like it feels cheap, and like you know what, and like I know that they're trying to convey that. Freddie Mercury was a music genius. Yeah, but, but it's it's Freddie shallow. Mercury is Freddie Mercury was a real person and he was a musical genius. Yeah. So it's not you don't have to make shit up for me to believe that. Like the thing that really Stupid. got me was um, <laughs> the thing that really got me was when they were recording Bohemian Rhapsody and he and he was like go higher on the Galileo and then the actor doesn't go any higher at all but then Freddie's like that's it. That's perfect. Even though the singer hasn't gone any higher. Right. So it's really just, it's really all fake. None of it feels real at all because there's no discovery. And that's what songwriting yeah. is about. As someone who writes songs from time to time, it's about having those... Wait, you do? Yeah, you didn't know that? <laughs> um, it's, it's about how you find those discoveries. And that's the interesting part. And there's actually a Netflix series that's about, like, making songs that's really interesting. I forget what it's called. Oh, Song Exploder. That's what it's called. Song Exploder. But anyway, that's, like, it's just shallow. If anyone shallow. does want to see a cool representation of what it's like to produce music, Love and Mercy, um, the Brian the Wilson born. biopic, does a pretty good job of it. What a star is born? I would say A Star is Born is, 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 is there too, but songs kind of just come <laughs> it's, out. It's songs just kind of come out. She's like, oh, oh I, I kind of have the a concert. song. The, the scene of the concert that, that, that like, yeah, well, that's the thing. The scene at the concert that he is like, oh, that song that I heard once in a parking lot, <laughs> I did like a whole musical arrangement of it last Maybe night. he has and perfect then pitch. You don't know. And Maybe Edward has perfect and pitch. Then, but then she is like, oh, right, like, this totally, like, now I know where to, like, do my, you know, it's stupid. <laughs> um, but going back to the queerness of this film, how do yeah. you feel about it? Um, I mean, I think we've talked a lot about it, that, that this film casts queerness as the villain. But I think a lot of people don't see it that way. This story is essentially saying that Freddie Mercury became a rock god in spite of being queer not right. because he was queer. And I think that I would have liked an argument for the latter, but instead we got the former. Yeah, I also just, as you kind of say, there is the, after he records uh, Mr. Bad Guy, and like when he like does drugs and the gay orgies um, with Paul, the character of Paul, um, you know, he's visited by Mary, who's married and, and pregnant and she is the one who's like freddie you should get back with queen you know it's like it's the dainty little straighty couple person that like comes to save the day and you know like takes them away of of those like gay world you know from, it, from like, the gay feels, underworld right like, from the gay underworld and it back feels, into the whole the wholesomeness that queen represents. it's also just it's also in a way disgusting because i just i just hate the narrative of you know, he was in a hole, and then Live Aid worked as a way for him to get back with the band. Yeah, factually, that that is right. Th that's the other. Yeah, <laughs> that is incorrect. So, like, do you do you want to explain why that's like not it? 
Um, I mean, you can do it, but my impression is that they never broke up. Right, they never broke up. <laughs> and by the time they did the Live 8 performance, they were in really good terms, all of them. Yeah, all of them um, were. And, and Freddie didn't didn't know that he had AIDS as far Right, he as far didn't as know he had AIDS. So, like, they, they, he, they frame it as, like, this is his last chance to like show the world who he is when in fact he um, lived for another like seven years seven years after this after that um and the reason to why the other members started doing things separately was not because they were mad at each other because queen kept releasing albums in between the separate projects so the timeline is all wrong and it's only to like pull heartstrings from the audience, you know? It really and, is. And that's and, and it, that's and, the, that's and, the thing. This movie is meant to be manipulative. Every everything about it, from the historical inaccuracies to painting queerness as a villain, it's all meant to manipulate us into thinking that there's something more complex when there isn't. I just hate that the redeeming moment, like the the moment that he redeems himself comes at the expense of him apologizing for his queerness in a way. What do you mean? That, like, him being like, guys, that was lost and all that. Like, it's like... Right. Like, because they tied in to him doing bad in life, to his queerness, and, you know, him coming to terms with the fact that he's about to die because of his queerness. Yeah. And they treat Live Aid as this, like, redeeming moment. In spite of his queerness, it just, like, feels so insulting. It, it really I, does. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate this film with so much passion. It's so stupid. Do we want to go into yes, let's what it could have <laughs> Yeah. What it could have should have um, get Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> I mean, I think he would have been great. I think he's a little old now, but right. Um, maybe, like, 15 years ago, he would have been really fantastic. I don't know. I, I, I say this every episode. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I would have liked to see someone gay in this role, considering how... Dan Levi. <laughs> Dan Levy. Dan, Le- Dan Levy. Yeah, Dan Levy. Considering... Dan, Dan Levy and Billy think, Eichner. Cons- and Billy Eichner, yes. I just think, uh, uh, like, considering how much of a gay icon... Or, you know, I'm going to say queer icon. How much of a queer icon... He is. I think it would have been nice to have a queer person play him. Um, Do you know who? No, I don't. I don't. I. This is always the part of the episode that I don't do my research on, and I'm like, um, who are actors? Uh, who could play this role? Even though Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda has been going on Noah for Noah Galvin. Like, what? Noah Galvin. Oh my god. No. <laughs> no. no uh, That'd be horrible. Freddie's a person of color, and he should be played by a person of color. At least they got the continent right with Rami Malek, you know. Wait, so you so you think the characters should the, the so you think um, Freddie Mercury should be played by a gay actor? Yeah, queer actor, a queer person of color. Okay, I also just think that there's enough talent in Broadway <laughs> that would have been able to do the yeah. Plus, Rami Malek is hardly like a household name. Right. If here's the other thing. If the if people were like so pressed on selling tickets, because I do think in some cases, and introducing blah 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 does create a, some kind of headline. Yeah, 
Um, <laughs> Nikki Blonsky and hairspray. <laughs> Nikki Blonsky. She wa- I mean, it really, it really was like, oh, like they didn't just put like a skinny girl in a fat suit. It did. Right. <laughs> like it really, it really did great. Like I honestly think that if they had discovered someone who could have done the dancing, who could have done the singing, who could have done the acting, that would have been a headline in itself. And really, just get like, what's the name of the of the of the manager? Um, Paul Paul Prenter. Not that, um, I think it, he was played by Richard Madden in, in Rocketman, no, right? No, that's, that's John Reed. Yes, that's John Reed. John Reed. Not that I'm saying, <coughs> not that I'm saying that, um, I'm looking it up, Aiden Gillen. <laughs> it's like, you know, like, is bringing anyone into the movie theater. And not that Richard Madden is, but you know what, like, you could have given this, this, if you really want to have household names, like you could have given, like Mary could have been someone famous, um, Brian May could have, like who the f- fuck? I'm sorry, I don't know you, Gwilym Lee, who played Brian May. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know who the fuck you are. So you know, like I think that at the expense of not having Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury, it is a big ensemble cast. Um, it is, it is. So I think that, you know, just make everyone else around you famous and have a really talented person to be afraid of Mercury. Yes. I think that's that's what it would have been. However, I do think if, you know, this was 10 years in the past, I think Sasha Baron Cohen yeah. could have done it. I'm not pr- I wouldn't have been impressed that it wasn't a gay person. Um, that's just me. I should mention that Mark Martell actually did some vocals blended with Freddie Mercury's of, of vocals. Mark Martell's a Canadian musician um, who sounds disturbingly similar to Freddie Mercury, but he is white. <laughs> and he is, like, 45. No, he, uh, you should listen to his Queen covers because they're very good. I, okay. I think that... But, but could he have played Freddie? I'm, I, I don't think so. But he sounds a lot like Freddie. I just wanted to put that out there. Um, Dumber Dumber snub. snub. Oh, this is my favorite part because I feel like that season, no one was really expecting Bohemian Rhapsody to make a splash. It got a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes and everyone just praised Rami Malek's performance, but that's it. But it was a really big box office success. Like we said earlier, it made over $900 million worldwide and... It just started showing up as the unlikely nomination at all of the precursor awards, like the Golden Globes, um, where it won Best Motion Picture, Drama, and Best Actor for Rami Malek. And it's really interesting, because that night, um, Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book won the top two prizes at the Golden Globes. I truly think it's one of the worst Oscars in modern history. It really is. Just putting that one And out that there. just shows how much white people, or just people in general, love sanitized, feel-good stories about gays. And the thing is, like, I love a good feel-good story, but you don't have to stomp on Freddie's grave to rewrite history to make that narrative. But anyway, Dahmer snub. This was so dumb. So, so, so dumb. It, it received five Academy Award nominations and won four of them. It won Best Actor for Rami Malek, Best Editing, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Sound Editing. 
That's the thing. I think that a lot of people got confused and instead of best film editing, voted for most film editing. Yes! Um, there is... Look it up if you haven't seen this, but you are going to go right now on YouTube. I'm going to do it right with you. You're going to go right now on YouTube and you're going to look um, editing Bohemian Rhapsody and, and a scene of them discussing their contracts at this patio in a restaurant is going to come up um, and they count the amount of cuts done in that one scene and it's honestly like the funniest the funniest funniest thing oh yeah there there there's that video and there are a bunch of clips um that have appeared online that point it's out, really it's really bad like if someone out, talks like, bad editing oh, and continuity God. errors um, so it's really surprising that this won Best Editing. And with four Oscars, it won the most Academy Awards that night. Disgusting. While Green Book won Best Picture, um, Roma won a couple of awards. That's the other thing. This thing won Best Film Editing and not Roma. It's just like, I'm like, I mean, I think that you can make a case for Roma not winning, but like... This, like, the contenders were... Oh, Roma wasn't even nominated. Black Klansman, The Favorite, Green Book, and Vice. And Bohemian Rhapsody won. Yeah. I think that's horrible. That's insane, get, just given how well-paced Black Klansman is as a movie. Best Sound Mixing? This is one that I think Roma should have won. The, the sound mixing and, and sound editing of this film. Because the other thing about this this movie is that it's just playing Queen songs. Yeah. It really is just that. It's like, not creating new sounds. It's, it it's not that I... And again, it's not that I know anything about this art, and I'm sorry, I'm just talking out of my, like, you know, me hating on things. If I was like, Josh, let's make a film... And now you're going to lip sync to Bohemian Rhapsody and go on Windows Movie Maker and I fucking put Bohemian Rhapsody on top of Josh's singing. That's not best sound mixing. That's just me editing in Windows Movie Maker. You know, well, it's just like so well, stupid. Well, well that's part of what sound mixing involves. You know, it's, it's putting together everything that, that is done, the recording mixers, and just supervising the general sound. Whereas sound editing is the creation of sound, the sound design. Right. So I would have been okay with Bohemian Rhapsody winning sound mixing. However, sound editing? Really? Really? <laughs> like, especially when, when you have a movie like A Quiet Place, which was also nominated, or Black Panther, both movies that have a lot of really innovative sound design. You tell them, Josh. I'm just saying. I'm also... The Favorite, we've talked about The Favorite. The Favorite was up that year, and The Favorite didn't really win that much. Um, just, won... uh, just, um, what's her face, Olivia Coleman. Yeah, for, uh, uh, Best Actress. Yeah. But, um, no, I think the dominance of Bohemian Rhapsody is, was quite surprising to me. I think that I never really realized how much older people love this movie. Right. And here's and here's the thing that I think is going to be a little bit controversial. What really annoys me about the film is that in oh, general, you haven't told us yet. So everything else it, has been not something that really annoys you. Um, <laughs> We're finally no, what, getting we, to it, folks. No, what really annoys me about this film is that 
kind of like Trump playing YMCA at his rallies with hundreds of thousands of people listening and singing to the song without obviously not taking into account the history of the village people. I think the same thing happens very frequently with Freddie Mercury and his music in the sense that straight people who are very, very, very homophobic and have really problematic views in terms of the queer community will idolize this man um, without taking into account who he was as a person. And I think this movie, you know, amplifies that problem by giving it such a platform to a movie that is so comfortable, that is so comfortable erasing who he was. Oh, so as soon as you said Trump, I was like, rut row. <laughs> but I think I agree with you. And I think it's the same with like Mick Jagger and David Bowie. And there are these like flamboyant idols who have been sort of reclaimed as masculine symbols when they're not. And, and they wouldn't want to be seen that way. And they way. wouldn't want to be seen that way. And painting them as such when really they were trying to destroy a binary that you're seeking to uphold is disrespectful. Right, and, and then I think that the Academy Awards, by elevating this film, in my personal opinion, it just it just makes the problem bigger because people are like, this is a movie for the people that think like that. Yeah, yeah. And they see their thoughts and feelings validated by a performance like Remy Malek's. That's just my... That's just, that's just the way I see the film, and I absolutely can't stand it. <laughs> Yeah, and and it's especially (laughs) disappointing that Bohemian Rhapsody wins four four, that Bohemian Rhapsody wins four Oscars, and then one year later, Rocket Man wins only one Oscar, the only one it was nominated for, which was with someone who did all his singing. (laughs) Yes, exactly, and can paint the fuck out of that award season. Yes. Sharon Ackerton was giving private concerts and lap dances and shit. Um, <laughs> Legit It's also, it's also so like it just, really... It just, it's, it's just seeing the fact that, that there were people who loved Bohemian Rhapsody who didn't like Rocket Man, you have right. to wonder, is it because of the queerness? Yes. You have to moving wonder on. that. You have to wonder that. Yes. Um, the answer is yes. Uh, moving <laughs> on. The other thing that annoys me really a lot it's i'm just annoyed at life this is that has nothing to do with the movie <laughs> it's the fact that like if this would have been a good film which is not it's terrible um burn it to the ground it would have been and had brian singer not being such a piece of shit asshole disgusting piece of human being toss him in the trash can kind of person it would have been a trailblazing movie of you know a nine hundred a nine hundred million dollar movie directed by a gay man about the story of a bisexual man, it would have been. Brian Singer is bisexual. Is he? Yeah, he's married. What? Is he to a lady? I didn't know that. She's I don't a think lady. So. Is he married? I don't think he's married to a lady. Oh no! Wait. He's not oh, but married, but he he's has not a married. Son. He has his son. Okay, um, with with uh, with an actress. It's funny. Her name is Michelle Clooney. It's not Clooney. 
Clunny. It's C. It's C L U N I E. It's really funny. Um, oh, and she was in Queer as Folk. She was Queer as Folk. Wow. But like okay. okay. Uh, the, 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 what I'm trying to get at, it's like it would have been a trailblazing moment of a bisexual man directing the story of a of another bisexual man, and it's just really unfortunate right. that Brian Singer is such a hot trash piece of shit, disgusting human kind of person. Um, that. That wasn't part of the narrative. Rightfully so. Um, I'm not saying, like, we should have elevated Brian Singer in any kind. But, like, for example, GLAAD withdrew Bohemian Rhapsody's nomination for... And not that GLAAD, you know. The GLAAD it, you know. it withdrew. It, it withdrew, like, the Bohemian Rhapsody's nomination for that year. GLAAD Media Awards for an outstanding film, White Release. Um, and you know what's interesting? I'm surprised Brian that Brian Sisset, the Brian Singer controversy wasn't a bigger deal. For the Oscars. Because it's Hollywood. And there, you know, there's a lot of people that protect each other. There are, but, like, think about how many other films or how many films derailed their Oscar chances because of Me Too. I mean, also, this movie came out um, October, which I think is pretty early for an Academy Awards film. No, it came out first week of November. October 23. Oh, in the United in the oh October in the UK it came out. Oh, October I'm 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 being America centric. I'm sorry, everyone. It also came out in a lot of other markets before I remember. Yeah, what I'm yeah. trying to say that's that's pretty early for an Oscars contender, and I will say Not Freddie really. Mercury. Ish. No, and I will say that Freddie Mercury as a character is a lot bigger than Brian Singer can ever get to be. It's and, not and someone. Think, it's not someone obscure like right. Molly's game. <laughs> That's one that I'm like the person is obviously like. Even like Judy Garland is not as big as Freddie Mercury. What? Um, Excuse or, me. <laughs> or like, <laughs> um, you know, or like Ray Kroc at the founder. You know, yeah. like, these people are not like huge. Right. Um, right. But like, what I'm trying to say, it's also that like. I I don't have any proof, but I don't need to have it to say shit about podcast. <laughs> this is the reason why I had a podcast. But like this podcast is technically it, not news, so we can say whatever um, we want. That's for a tops and bottoms section. Um, <laughs> the thing is, for context, for those for those who don't know, take a shot. Um, for those who don't know, the the Academy's uh, the Oscars ratings have dipped year after year after year after year. Um, people don't care about the fucking Oscars. Not that you should care about the Oscars. Josh and I do because we are crazy. But no one should care about the Oscars. But the thing is, they are trying really, really hard for you to watch the Oscars. And a big criticism that people have with the Oscars is that they always nominate movies that people are not watching. So I think this was the year with the most blatant pandering to mainstream audiences. I disagree. Of of recent years, just in the sense of the like nominations to Black Panther, um, and this movie Bohemian Rhapsody, like it was the highest grossing movie other than that, other than Black Panther that night. Yes, yeah. yes, but um, they, a Star Is like Born a, also did very well though. Oscars wise, no, and and, and uh, it was it was a big hit box office wise. It no, okay, no, but that's no, but that's why I'm saying like it's. Green Book made a lot of money? No, I'm not. But I'm saying, like, this is, in general, that night, that was Oscars night, Oscars 2018, where one of the most blatant 
uh, pushes for mainstream movies that, well, I've, yeah. uh, that I've personally seen in the, in the most recent years. Because and that think, was the year when they tried to like institute a, a popular film category, right? Right, right, yeah. Um, so like that, that's what I'm saying. Like It's like I think the popularity of this film with award season has a lot to do with that. Um, I and don't they, know about that. Well, I did say that I had no evidence. I know, so. yeah. I, I don't know if I agree, but... But, uh, but I think that's an interesting argument, and I can't wait to read the rest of the essay. Okay. <laughs> well, you're not, I'm not going to write it. So, Josh, to sum up, do we, do we think, you know, the movie? No, no, you got to say it like a sentence. Is this movie, Is this know, movie, you know, gay? I think it wants to be. I think it really wants to be. I think it is, but... I think that it doesn't like that about itself. It's like, it's like, fine, mom, I'll eat the broccoli, but I'll just have this frown on my face while I'm eating it. It's like, fine, I'll be gay, but I'm not going to enjoy it. That's my take. Okay. Do you think that this movie is, you know, gay? You know what this is? What is this? And not that this is the case in my family, and I'm sorry if any family members are listening to this. They're not. But this this is very, like, okay, so grandma knows you're gay, but I just don't want your grandma to have a heart attack. So can you please tone it down for grandma? Yes! This is, this is, the, this is the kind of gay this movie is. That is what this movie is! That yeah. is what the... Wow. Wow. It's like, we know... You and I know, and that's all that matters. And Grandma also has a really good idea. But, like, can you please, for the sake of this evening, this is, this is what this movie is. Yes! Yes! I think that might just be the best thing you've said on this podcast ever. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, yeah. now we want to know your thoughts. Obviously... Neither of us loved this movie very much, but we want to hear what you guys thought of this. And so please reach out, tell us your thoughts. If you liked it, please don't contact us. <laughs> if, you, if you're willing to hate on it, um, I'm more than welcome. Um, I don't know Freddy, um, but I really do feel for what he represented. And I don't think that he wanted to be represented this way. However, I do think like any other queer man, we love attention, and his movie did get $900 million. So if they like admitted some of the gay parts of my life, and my movie makes $900 million, I feel like I would be pretty, very pleased. So yeah, that, God that, knows how he feels about it. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I think the movie about your life without... Okay, you're gonna stuff. be played by Kevin James, so shut the fuck up. Oh my god! Um, thank you so much, oh everyone. My god. <laughs> thank you for joining us, and and that's you... it on our movie uh, review. Another one bites yeah. the dust for now. Oh well, that's fine. I hope all of you find somebody <laughs> to love, and hey. they become the love of your life. And you know what? It's almost December, so thank God it's Christmas. Um, that one's a really good song. And now I have the chance to talk about the top or bottom of the week, depending on how you look at it. Ooh, what um, is it? It is a story that is very personal to me. 
And that is that Wonder Woman will be released on HBO Max on December 25th, the same day that it's going to be out in theaters. So for those who don't know, if you haven't listened to the podcast, you should. Literally, um, we talked about this two episodes ago on our season finale. Um, I am obsessed with Wonder Woman. It was my most anticipated movie of the year. And it really broke my heart what happened that they kept delaying it and delaying it and delaying it. And in the last episode that we talked about it, I said that I was willing to pay $50 to see, to watch the movie um, from home during Christmas. Clearly Peter's they around. listened to you. Um, they didn't because they're not charging. Um, but uh, theaters are not open where we are. And even if they were, I really don't think that I would feel comfortable going to a theater right now. But what's going to happen is that um, Wonder Woman is going to go to HBO Max next month. Um, it will be released simultaneously in theaters and on the streaming service in the United States on December 25th. It will debut in international markets on December 16th. It will be available for a month, only a month on HBO Max, and no additional cost to subscribers. They made sure that people knew that because they wanted to be shady towards Disney, which could release Mulan at, what was it, 20 It was 30 Oh, $30, yeah, $30. Um, out to the public. Uh, but this is going to be free. It's only going to be available for a month. And Patty Jenkins, who was the director of Wonder Woman, she was one of the biggest, biggest, biggest supporters of having the movie be released in theaters um she said i remember like the first time they delayed it she was very upset that they delayed it um because she said like i actually like really like the the just like the, they had a christmas release for 2019 originally and then she said like i wish i we would have released it then and then it was released I know, then it wasn't released and kept on being delayed, but she was like, this is something that you have to see in theaters, so we're going to keep delaying it. Unfortunately for Wonder Woman, I really don't think that they could have delayed this again. It wouldn't have survived delaying it again. No. No, definitely um, not. Because the market is way too crowded, um, and also it would have felt like an old movie by then. So Patty Jenkins wrote, uh, The time has come. For you to lip sync for your life. No. <laughs> uh, the time has come. At some point, you have to choose to share any love and joy you have to give over anything, over everything else. We love our movie as we love our fans, so we truly hope that our film brings a little bit of joy and reprieve to all of you this holiday season. Watch it in theaters where it is safe to, where it's made safe to do so. Which honestly, I feel like it's a very responsible statement. Um, she says, check out the great work theaters have done to make it so. And available in the safety of your home on HBO Max where it is not. Happy holidays to all of you. We hope you enjoy your film as much as we enjoyed making it. Okay, let's be real. Um, part of that, I'm sure Ms. Jenkins loves the theatrical experience, but part of that is also um, Warner Brothers not wanting to piss off movie theaters. Because right. Universal did that earlier with earlier this year with Trolls World Tour, and right. Disney has done that time and time again as, um, as recently as last week. And so Warner Brothers is really kind of holding on to this right. relationship with theaters. Right. Um, I, for better I, I, or I, for I, worse. They're, right. I don't, I don't like the statement in general. Um, I do feel bad because... Uh, for who? HBO Max is not available 
for all devices right now. They recently announced that it will soon be available for Fire TV users, but there's still no solution for Roku TV users. Um, wow, that's so. <laughs> oof. <laughs> so if you own a Roku TV, you cannot get HBO Max. Um, you can only get. I don't know if it's HBO Go or HBO Now or HBO whatever. If you are a user who is looking to be able to watch stuff on your computer on your television, you should just get a dongle cord that connects from your computer to your television. And that's yeah, but it's not watch. the same quality. It's not like exactly the same quality, but it's right. Good enough. So it's it's not the same quality. That's what I said. <laughs> Um, but regardless, um, yeah, Rocco TV has not made it available. And also this has made it impossible for people that live outside the U S to watch the movie on Christmas. If you don't want to go to the theater, um, which is really sad. That is true. That is true. I'm not going to be in the United States, presumably maybe so during Christmas. So I'm just going to have to wait because oh, no. I'm not going to a fucking theater. Oh no. And yeah. then this is the movie you wanted to see the most. This oh, is the movie no. I wanted to see the most. So I... I think that they did that because I think they still want to make some money from theatrical gross worldwide. Oh, for sure. I don't doubt it. I'm just saying, you know, it's unfortunate. It is. Um, However, and... I think it's very smart. Oh, well, this is the... You know, all of this things aside, I praise that HBO that this... Um, not really I HBO, Warner. Oh, Warner. Warner Brothers. Yeah. And I really think they're being very clever because, so up until this moment, there hadn't been a big movie that was supposed to go to theaters that went to streaming, um, except for Mulan, other than Disney's Soul, um, which is their big awards contender. Um, the trailer looks great. I'm really excited to see it. They announced that they would be putting it at no extra cost on Disney Plus. Um, so that was going to be the big one. Um, and now I really feel that Warner Bros. stole their thunder, and I'm really happy because I... any Whenever Disney loses, I'm happy. <laughs> An angel gains its wings. Um, <laughs> and I really... I, I honestly feel it's it's really unfortunate because in general, I feel like Disney wasn't giving Soul way too much love like they they weren't giving it enough love um and it's really unfortunate that you know it's what looks predominantly going to be a story about widely represented by black people in america and the protagonist is black and once again he's gonna you know be in it be uh non-human for the most of the movie so that's upsetting but it's just upsetting that that was the movie that you know disney decided that they had to move um, and make it like a little bit of a smaller event that it was supposed to be. And it's also sad that this movie that was, you know, the first sequel to a female superhero that was going to come out. It's also going to be a little bit of a smaller event. Um, but by Warner Brothers doing so, they have now made it a thing that this is just something that bigger releases are going to have to do. And doesn't make it a smaller movie just because it's going to be in a streaming service. Right. Um, out of necessity, but I also think, you know, it's well, it's a responsible thing to do. Because they were also, there were rumors now that now what is going to be Disney's response? Because they always respond. Um, they're never quiet whenever Warner Bros. says something. So they were saying, they were rumoring that it's either going to be Captain Marvel. No, I mean, um, 
Black Widow or uh, Cruella, which is uh, 101 Dalmatians prequel with Cruella de Vil starring Emma Stone. They're saying like now these movies that with these big budget movies are going to be moved to a streaming service and they are hopefully going to be treated as what they are as big productions that, you know, like we all are adults here. We all know why they're being moved. You know, it's not that we think that they're like small little movies. So right. I, I, right. I think as a person who loves theaters, who loves movies, of course, this wasn't done out of the kindness of their heart. Um, but I am glad that studios are realizing that this is the reality and this is not something that we can change and and i've i think that they really tried they really like tried with guinea pigs you know like tenet and new mutants to see if people would go and i'm really glad that people did it because this showed them that we we shouldn't be put at risk in order to watch a fucking movie. Right. I don't think it's worth it. Right. Um, so I'm happy. I'm happy that I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to have Wonder Woman and yeah. HBO. I really want someone to slap the fuck out of Christopher Nolan and release Tenet and some streaming service. It's going to be released um, on, um, on home video, Blu-ray and DVD in the middle of December. Who actually. owns a DVD? I do. Anymore. I, I don't do. own a DVD. Who the fuck owns a DVD? I do. Who the fuck That's owns who? a Blu-ray? I own a I Blu-ray. I truly don't know a single person living in New York City that owns a DVD. I'm literally right here. You yeah, but that's me. you. That's you. Like, it's like no one else owns it. Like, people don't own DVDs anymore. We either rent shit from Amazon well, or from YouTube or, like, shit. You know, like, just give me the thing to, like, well, yeah, watch Tenet, it online. Tenet's going to be available for rental as well. However, I, I think that Wonder Woman 1984 has the ability to be for HBO Max what Hamilton was for Disney+. Plus. Right. I think that, you know, HBO Max is still in its first year. Um, and I think that if they really want to drive subscriber growth, they have to throw throw some kindling on the fire to let it burn a little bit. And Disney right. did that with Hamilton. I, I will say Disney has no content. HBO Max has a shit ton and HBO Max's content is amazing. It's hard to compare in certain respects. Um, like... If it depends on what kind of movies you're looking for and what yeah, kind of like, movies you want to watch. The thing about Disney Plus is that they had no new content ready. You know, like, once you watch all the movies from your childhood that you want to watch, like, I'm not going to rewatch Princess and the Frog for a tenth time. I'm not going to do it. Why not? Like, right, right now, I feel like people are holding off to their Disney Plus to watch WandaVision. And after that... We're going to have to keep waiting for, like, the next big thing. While HBO Max has the Prince of Bel-Air reunion, they're going to have the French reunion. They have series like I May Destroy You. They have a lot. They have the whole HBO library and most of the Warner Brothers film library. And they 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 had a shit ton of content ready to go. Yes, um, but they also had stuff that... Um, that was supposed to be released theatrically that they then moved to HBO. Right, but for example, the the pickle shit with Seth Rogen. Oh, an American Pickle. Yeah, I love that. An American Pickle. Amy Schumer. Um, she had her show that was supposed to go to HBO Max. I feel like they had a plan because they knew that HBO properties are not that hot with mainstream audiences. Right, right. While Disney Plus, 
I think Disney just, you know, thought that they could get away with putting their movies. And they haven't even opened um, their whole vault. They've opened they, a ton of it. And I wouldn't say that. A ton of it, that. but they haven't even opened a, their whole vault. And, like, again, what I'm say, what I said is there is no new content. Well, right, because, gonna, because I think the original strategy for Disney Plus was that these movies would be in theaters and then later on they would be on Disney Plus. Right. Um, I, and while I mean, there it's would like, be progr- programming for D- Disney Plus, it wouldn't be the same level as their theatrical output. It's like when you go to a to a profile and they have an OnlyFans and you're like, mm, it was just created a month ago. Let me just wait to subscribe <laughs> in like two, three months. And then, you know, I can unsubscribe right away. Funny, um, funny. Um, no, but it really is that, you know, like I wouldn't recommend anyone subscribing to Disney plus right now until they release all of WandaVision. Um, okay. But what about soul and, uh, the Mandalorian? By the time they release WandaVision, they're going to have soul. But you're also forgetting about the fact that they have all the Simpsons. For sure. But then again, you could find the Sim. You could buy the DVD of the Simpsons. Who owns you a cannot- DVD? No one owns a DVD. <laughs> you could also purchase the the seasons of the Simpsons. Yes, yes, you can. So, whereas I it, I understand what you're saying. You're talking about exclusive content. Again, The Mandalorian I think is one of their most watched shows on right. there. Um, it's a big hit. But, like, no, I understand what you're saying. I think that this is bad news for Soul. I think it's great news for Warner Brothers. I think that they're going to get a lot of viewership, especially over Christmas when you have the whole family together. I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if families on Christmas Day, if they flock more to Wonder Woman or to Soul. I think both can coexist, but... Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's the, the variable of, you know, is the movie good? And I think that Wonder Woman needs really good reviews. Or, you know, right. no, not, not really good reviews. Which I will say... Reviews. It needs just solid reviews to be a hit. Which I will say, it's not what I've been hearing. Really? Yeah. From, like, test screenings and shit. That's, that's interesting. In that case, that might work in Soul's favor because Soul um, has gotten really excellent reviews for the, uh, for the critics who have seen it so far, and it looks like it's going to be another Pixar hit. But I think that Wonder Woman needs to be at least decent to combat that. Right. Hopefully a third movie comes out. I think it will. I think it will. Warner Bros. is notoriously known for being stupid. When it comes to business decisions like that. That's that's Hollywood. That's like that's not exclusive to Warner Brothers. I know, but I will give it to Disney. Like they very, very, very rarely have a fuck up like the ones that Warner Bros. has had with DC. Yeah, but Period. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. That was a very extraordinary case, I would argue. But yeah. Yeah, but it's like one of the most valuable properties that they have. And they extremely, listen to me, Warner Bros. I know you listen to the podcast. They extremely, extremely, extremely fucked up the DCEU. And it's really unfortunate that they gave Zack Snyder control of the DCEU. It's stupid. None of the movies are good. A lot of the movies are decent, but none of them are good. Aquaman is watchable, which is a 
compliment that I wouldn't want to hear from my movie. Suicide Squad is disgusting. Batman v Superman is long. Man of Steel is enjoyable. Is um, it? And it's not. I like Man of Steel. Um, what about Wonder Woman? Wonder Woman has great beginning and middle. I won't say anything about the last third of the movie. Um, and then we don't have any more movies because you can't do any fucking planning. So hopefully Wonder Woman does well. Hopefully. Hopefully. I I think it's top. Yes. Big top. <laughs> Big, Big top. top energy. Big, Big top, top energy. energy. <laughs> Big top energy. We love people staying safe. We love people giving their money to large corporations that don't care about us. <laughs> we love supporting movies with female characters. Supporting female creatives because Patty Jenkins directed the movie. Yes. And I, in general, I support competition between businesses. I don't like that when Disney has it all. So, and with okay. that being said, <laughs> thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks um, for listening. Um, and so if you hate Wonder Woman, please do not talk to me. But if you don't, if you actually love the movie, um, please do discuss it with me because I really would love to hear from you. All right, everyone. Stay safe. Use a condom. <laughs> That's what you meant, didn't you? <laughs> yes, exactly.